of the worthiness of the recipients and irrespective of any human standard of fairness. In our parable, all the workers were promised one denarius for their labors. All agreed to that wage, all received that wage. But the key in this short story, and remember parables are like really, we might call them really short stories. They're little fictions that Jesus liked to use. The, the key in the story was the difference, and this was obvious as the story was read, the difference in the number of hours each had worked. It is, from a human point of view, unfair that everybody got paid the same, but everybody worked a different amount of time. It's just, it's just not right. It reminded me of the parable of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. And uh, we, love, we love that parable, uh, sort of a archetypal parable. Um, but you know, there was something unfair in that story, right? This kind of reprobate younger brother takes half the family's wealth and basically goes to Vegas and blows it. I mean, that might be how we, would, how we would say it today. And then he was welcomed home by the father and celebrated by the father. Put on equal footing with the older brother who was the good kid who never did anything wrong. From a human point of view, I think we would agree, you know, there's something kind of unfair about that. So what's, this is key, this sense of unfairness with both the workers in the vineyard and the prodigal. So what's the Jesus point in this? What's he getting at? Why create this little story in our text of the workers? Well, remember the context for both our parable today from Matthew and uh, the parable of the prodigal son from, from Luke. Jesus was hanging out with the wrong kinds of people. If you read the Gospels, this comes up again and again. He was hanging out with the wrong kinds of folks. The religious leaders of the day were kind of appalled by this. It just seemed wrong. If Jesus was truly a man of God, a prophet, he would know that this crowd that had gathered around him was unrighteous, unholy, undeserving, less than. They, the scribes and Pharisees and people like them, were the true sons of righteousness. Not this riffraff that Jesus had, had sort of gathered around. But remember what I said a moment ago. The gist of the parable that was read is that God is abundantly generous. He gives lavishly, irrespective of the worthiness of the recipients. From a human point of view, the Pharisees and religious leaders were more righteous by external standards. They were more pure. But Jesus' point is that the love of God isn't based on this human point of view of things. It's based on the nature and the character 
of God himself. Like a parent with their kids, God sees our behavior for what it is, sees the relative difference between, you know, the good kid and the challenging kid, I'll say. But like a parent, he loves both equally. So these parables of Jesus, the workers in the vineyard, the prodigal son, are essentially stories about God and his generous, his lavish love. As if in very short story form, Jesus is responding to the criticism of the religious leaders. You guys are troubled by me hanging around with these folks. But God loves these folks. And that's why I'm hanging around with them. God, in fact, is generous in his love toward all human beings. It's who God is. It's his nature. It's his character, the generosity of God. And here's really the connection point for us. As followers of Jesus, it's who we're called to be. As followers of Jesus, it's who we are called to be. We're called to reflect the character of God as demonstrated in the life of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.21 says, we are called to follow, anybody happen to know this verse? It's a great verse. We are called to follow in his steps. The his referring to Jesus. Christians are called to follow in his steps. As Jesus loved lavishly and generously, reflecting the generosity of God. So we as followers of Jesus are to display that same generosity. It's, I think, what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. And this verse sometimes troubles folks, but I, I, I think my take on it, which I've picked up somewhere, is, is the right one. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and upon first hearing it, you think, whoa, you know, who can be perfect? But the perfection that Jesus is referring back to is the fact that the heavenly Father sends rain and sunshine on the just and the unjust, on the evil and the good. There's a lavishness to the love. Our generosity is to reflect that kind of generous love of God. So to be generous is, in a real, real sense, it sounds funny to say almost, but to be generous is to be godlike. To be lavishly generous with any resource that we have authority over is to be godlike. It's where our true identity and purpose is found. And when we walk this path, two things happen. We're blessed, and those around us are blessed. We're blessed. In Acts 20, verse 35, Paul states, In all this I have given you an example 
that by such work we must support the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Interesting little side note here, that those words of Jesus aren't found in any of the Gospels. So we have here the Apostle Paul quoting Jesus from a source of oral tradition that isn't, is not in the Gospels, a reminder that the Gospels are sort of a representative sample of all that Jesus said and did, not exhaustive. Anyway, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When we're generous, we are blessed. And my guess is that we've all experienced this at some point. I know I have. It's my nature, my unredeemed nature, to hold on to, to, to kind of cling. When my kids were little, my daughter especially, God bless her, love the word, mine. This is mine. And I think we have that. We have that in us. But a uh, quick little story, a number of years ago now, I was given sideline passes to uh, UW, University of Washington, versus Arizona State football game over at Husky Stadium. And uh, I'm a USC guy. Sorry if that is offensive to anybody, but I was still interested in going, but I knew a family in my church, Sammamish Presbyterian Church, and they were all Sun Devils. They were all ASU grads, and they were crazy about ASU. And it must have been the Holy Spirit because it's not my nature. I took my two sideline passes and offered them to the family. And two sons went to the ASU game. They had an absolute ball. They had so much fun. They were both Arizona State grads. They just thought this was the greatest thing in the world. You know who else loved it? Me. I felt great. It just felt so good to give those passes to them, knowing how much they would enjoy it. I was blessed as I gave. And I if we took time, and in our small group questions, if we get to that, we will take time, I bet you we've all experienced that, where we've given something, and it's actually more fun to give than to get, to make people happy. When it comes to our time and money, the world, the flesh, and the devil will say to us, keep it, hoard it, possess it, like Gollum with his ring, my precious, my precious, mine, mine, mine. In effect, Jesus says, there's no blessedness in that. The blessing is to give, give, give. And we see this in the words of Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Hey, somebody wants your tunic? Give him your cloak, too. Someone wants you to go one mile? 
go to. It's, the scriptures are just filled with this teaching that Jesus' life, the blessed life, is a generous, giving life. Hoarding, whether stuff or time or love, never leads to true happiness, never leads to true blessedness. It's in giving generously that we are blessed. And then in giving generously, we bless others. We bless others. Um, And let me come to this point from this angle, and I want to be careful how I say this. I believe the New Testament teaches that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. It's a kingdom of abundance. Jesus said, I have, John chapter 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, abundantly. That means, first, of course, spiritual abundance. But I also believe it means abundance in the the stuff of life, the necessities of life. At the end end of Acts chapter 2, we get a picture of the church as a place of abundance, spiritual and material abundance. All human needs were met as people shared generously and had, the scriptures tell us, all things in common. Now here's where I want to be careful. I'm not advocating what is sometimes called the prosperity gospel. Now, I don't even know if that actually exists, but all preachers feel the need to say this when we're kind of on this topic. I don't bump into it a whole lot. But the prosperity gospel, to kind of oversimplify and put it crassly, is follow Jesus and you'll become healthy and wealthy. Maybe I'm oversimplifying, but follow Jesus and you'll be a smashing success. I'm not saying that when I talk about abundance and blessedness and none had need. What I'm saying is that together, as a community of faith, as we practice generosity, we're all blessed. The community is blessed. Blessed in giving and blessed in receiving. Together, a life of abundance. Spiritual abundance, of course, and material abundance. In 2 Corinthians, Paul deals with this theme. He takes two whole chapters of a book of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, to talk about a financial offering he's raising. Um, So the context is absolutely material. Chapter 8, verse 14, quote, Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that in the future their abundance may supply your need. The your are the Corinthian Christians, the there are the Jerusalem Christians who are experiencing a famine. Together, as generosity is practiced, abundance is enjoyed. And then in chapter 9, verse 8, Paul kind of sums things up. It's like a theology of generosity. Each of you must give as you have 
made up your mind, not regretfully or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every, every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And we want to say, okay, Paul, I, we think we've, we, you've made your point. <laughs> As we share generously, there's an abundance that's enjoyed by all. A kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. To sum up, our God is a generous God. He's lavish in his love for us. And this generous love is both spiritual and material. Remember the iconic example, the archetypal example of generous giving is the father giving his son on the cross for our sin. That's a spiritual act, and that's a material, physical act. Generosity is both. As Christians, we are to reflect not the world and its values, but God and his values. And when we do, the entire community is blessed. Let's join our hearts in prayer. And so, Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning asking in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would continue to assist us and guide us and help us to be exceedingly generous people. We confess our tendency is to hoard, is to hang on to, is to say mine, but we know that our Lord Jesus calls us to a different path. And so we pray for the grace to walk that path in his steps. In his name we pray. Amen.